So I'm going to ask you, how many of you have had a, a positive encounter this week with the Lord? Raise your hand. All right. That we got to celebrate, okay? We got to celebrate those things. Raise your hand again if you had an encounter with the Lord. All right. I want to encourage you, tell somebody about it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and keep saying that to us. And I'm learning that too. Keep telling somebody about what the Lord is doing. That is a way that people get to hear and see and know. Now, notice I didn't say preach at somebody about it. Did I say that? No, we, we got a lot of preachers. <laughs> we need good storytellers. People that can recount what the Lord is doing in their lives and just offer that as a gift of encouragement. So that's what I mean when I say, tell somebody. So uh, I want to encourage you anytime the Lord is doing something. That's what today should be about too. Sunday should be about us celebrating what the Lord is doing. Whether our situation is tough or not, the Lord's always doing something wonderful. There's always something to be joyful about because he's our hope, no matter what the context. And so Sundays or the times we get together are meant for us to celebrate. Time to learn, sure, but also to celebrate what God is doing, what we hope he'll do as well. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. Well, I will share with you, the Lord is kicking my backside in a really good way to stay alert because I'm finding that we can, and myself, can slip into this place of the everyday uh, rhythm of life, and we can lose sight of him. And we can't afford to lose sight of him. And last week we talked about, as a church, as a church culture, we, uh, for the majority, we become a, a church that's kind of a name only. That we can do a lot of good things and a lot of bad things in the name of Jesus, but that does not guarantee that we have a solid abiding relationship with him. And that's what the body of Christ is supposed to have, a mature, thriving relationship with Jesus. Does that mean there won't be challenges? No, that's not what that means. But our goal is to posture ourselves before him, to know that he's enough, and so that we can receive his fullness. He doesn't want to give us, in part, his presence. He wants to overwhelm us with the fullness. We hear that, that, that word a lot in Scripture. Experience the fullness of Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we gave the invitation. How many wanted to be filled or a fresh filling of God's presence? Because, you know, oftentimes the space that should be his, we allow other things to occupy it. Correct me if I'm wrong. And sometimes we can think the filling of the Holy Spirit is this spooky, magical thing. No, it's a fundamental reality that God wants to fill us with his presence. That's a wonderful thing. And we have stereotypes we tie, with, you know, we tie to that, that to be filled, you have to speak in tongues and all of this stuff. But really, I would challenge that, that when you are filled, it's the fruit of the Spirit that we see. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are things that we cannot manifest by ourselves. It's in partnership with the filling of the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't you want to be filled with that? Right? So today we want to continue to talk about how do we posture ourselves even when we, to, to allow God to fill us with overflowing and not fall into the name only category because we get lost in all the things we think we should do. 
Because let's be honest, when you follow a law, there's something tangible to compare your actions with. So if I'm told, you know, don't eat this and don't eat that, I know where I stand by my actions, correct? So it becomes this tangible thing. I can do that. But when you start talking to me about having this love relationship with the invisible, what? That becomes more challenging. And we believe, and we see God manifest himself in the physical and all of this, but it's still challenging to stay there. What happens when our expectations aren't met? What happens when our, our hopes and our dreams aren't met the way we want them? That can lead us into a place of, you know what, I'll just stay in this box because at least I know where I stand. But it's not enough. It's not enough to be here every Sunday and just sit in a chair and listen to something. It's not enough. If it doesn't provoke celebration of what God's doing because you posture yourself to be filled with his presence every day, it's not enough. And then once you get to a point where you've even said in your mind, I think this is enough, woo. Because we quantify stuff by how much we need to do to achieve a goal, and we're looking by, we're using wrong measurements. Really, it's about distance. Am I with him or am I not with him? If I'm with him, then all of those things that I, that I think I should do will be done out of a result of being in his presence. And we said last week, you're rarely going to feel prepared the way you might think you should be. Now, I have followed three pastors or two pastors in my family, my grandfather and my dad, who are excellent. And it was intimidating. And I thought, how am I ever going to do that? I'm not going to get there. How am I going to measure up? But I realized it was not about those things. It was about what the Lord wanted to do in me and through me because of my engagement with him. So what we do is we, we, we compare and contrast our call. We talked about this the week before last week, the burden that God puts on our heart. And then we begin this comparing process. And guess what? You take yourself, you take yourself out of the running because you go, I'm not prepared for that. I'm not equipped for that. Man, I did not ever feel equipped for this. And I grew up with it in my family. It was daunting and it was scary. And, but Jesus is all I need. Really is. He really, 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 really is. He is all you need. He is enough. And so we have to believe that he prepares and he equips us for the things he wants us to do out of this wonderful dance called this love relationship. Now, this might be repetitive to you. Good. Because it needs to stick. It really does. Because we can't just, I, I, said, it, I, I said it last week, I don't want to keep doing this dance if we're just coming in here and like, oh yeah, I punched my card and got a little excited for one day and now I'm going to go just fall back into the pattern of life. That's not what God has for us. It's not what he wants for us. He wants us to be with him. He wants us to experience the joy, the fun, everything that, that, that comes with being in his presence. And so when we, when we look at <clears throat> a church culture that's lost its voice in our country, okay, I, I, I'm not a political guy. This is not about that. This is about do you hear God's voice amongst Amongst the majority of the church. You, you don't. Because the world would look different. 
And so we know that we've got a church full of name-only Christians or nominal, and we can all fall into that. And it's not something we go, you know what, I'm going to be a name-only. It's not like we try to do that. If some do, that's between you and the Lord. But we're just, over time, and this is a work, this is, I think, a brilliant strategy of the enemy is to lead us into a place of complacency where we think we're doing the right thing, but we're not in the right place because we're not with him. But we've fallen in line with the principles and the procedures of faith, except for the big one, a messy, wonderful relationship with him. Because what we do is we exchange the principles of the relationship for the relationship. And our principles become our relationship with God rather than the proximity to him in that real sweet encounter. And so uh, today I want to look, and I just want you to listen. This has been several weeks of just listening. Uh, you, can, you can take out your Bibles if you haven't. Bring them every week. The word of God is, an, is a non-negotiable to be engaged with. And we're going to look at Ephesians 4, and I'm going to hop around, and it's a big passage, but there are certain specific things I want to pull out. So if I don't hit things that you've studied in Bible study or this or that, take a breath. It'll be okay because um, this is to pull out some, some certain things to help us understand where our posturing needs to be as we go into the series in the book of Philippians, which is Paul really encouraging a church to stay with them. If you were to simplify it, stay with me. Don't fall into this name-only nominal complacency because it's very tempting and very easy to do and sometimes really hard to get out of. So the reason why we're talking about this name-only stuff is so that when we know, we know how to posture ourselves when we get into Philippians. And so Ephesians here, uh, Paul starts off begging the church in Ephesus. And this is what he says. Therefore, I, a prisoner... For serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, stop. Now I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to say this to you again, and I want you to hear it and do your best to receive it. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. To lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. You have been, all of us here, you have been called by God. And the worthiness here is not about do enough. It's really about proximity. Because when we are with him, we are going to get that fullness we want. Amen? I mean, if you're not in proximity to him, how are you going to receive the fullness of the things that he's given you because you've removed yourself yourself from the, the conversation? So this passage starts out with, I beg you, lead a life worthy of your call, your burden, the thing that God has put on your heart, and that means to fulfill those things, you have to be with them. Because you will not fulfill them the way he wants you to fulfill them. Because if it's just the action of task, then it has nothing to do with the heart. Nothing. 
And oftentimes, I know people, I know pastors that read this love letter, that read this through the filter of task and responsibility rather than through the filter of relationship. This is not a boring letter. This is God's love letter to us that has to be engaged through relationship. So tasks, so the things, the worthy of the calling of the burdens that are put on our heart are meant relationally and are a call for the individual and for the body, which we're going to see here in just a second. And we're going to look at, uh, skip ahead to verse 11. And Paul, leading up to this point, has talked about oneness, one baptism, one God, oneness. We have a physical manifestation of what that oneness looks like in marriage, right? The two become what? One. You're no longer just yours. You have given your life over to someone in partnership. Oneness. So it leads us to this point in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, we could look at that if we were looking through the lens, when we read scripture through the lens of a to-do list, right? Because we see those words work. But what happens when we look at it through the lens of relationship? It changes. The work is people. It is relationship. It's posturing ourselves in love, which we're going to hear. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. Mature. Didn't say grown-ups. Right? We're not to lose our sense of childlike faith, but there's a maturity, a crock pot cooking, if you will, of the spirit and of the heart that happens. And I lost my place. <laughs> Where did I go? Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the fullness and complete standard of Christ. What was that word? Fullness. Now, I'm reading from the, the NLT, the NIV says, the fullness of, of Jesus Christ in your life. The fullness. So, uh, what, this one phrase, I've, many of us have heard this a million times, and it always drives me up the wall. Are you a cup half empty person or a cup half full person? Who said that, heard that, qualified yourself as such? Okay. Now, let's take that phrase. That, that's a posturing of what your countenance is, right, in, in certain situations. Imagine never having to hear or say that phrase again because you are always full. That is your posture all the time. You are always full. It's not half full. That's optimism. I'm half full. No, I'm full. Because I'm standing with the living Lord that has given himself to me completely. I have complete access to the fullness of God. And when I'm standing with him and allow him to pour his glory and his presence 
on me and over me. I never have to say I'm a cup half full, cup half empty person. I am full no matter what comes my way, no matter the challenging situations, no matter the loss I've experienced. It's nothing compared to the gain of the fullness of Jesus' presence in your life. But we have to make a choice to posture ourselves to receive the fullness because he won't force himself on you. I don't want Shanna, my my wife, for those of you that don't know, I don't want her to be forced to love me. Who wants to be loved because they're obligated to? Nobody. Same goes for the Lord. He doesn't want you, he don't want to force you to love him. I don't want Shanna to feel obligated to spend time with me. I want her to spend time with me because she wants to. It makes sense, does it not? So this call is for us to intentionally want to be where he is. And some of us go, we talked about this. Well, I don't know if I hear him. I don't know if you hear him. We just got to learn how to identify it. And how are you going to do that if we don't engage him? How are we going to do that if we don't engage him together? Right? The, the, one of, the, one of my biggest pet peeves, um, especially in college, I went to a Christian school, so you have all these people that want to flaunt their intellectual prowess of theology, and I'm just like, you know, mine at that point was, Jesus is Lord, that's it, and I don't know anything else. And these guys are all like super brilliant, and, or they think they are. And so you're sitting there talking with them, and, and they're trying to convince you of all of these things, and... Uh, I lost my point there for a second. Just being real here. <laughs> Where was I before that? Oh, thank you. Pep Heaven College. So these guys, they would start criticizing the church. Now, when I say the church culture has become name only, that's not to be a criticism. That's to state a possible reality of where we are. Not to go, oh, I hate the church because of this. No, that's not what we're talking about here. We can't ignore the facts that we're not the church God has called us to be right now. It's okay to say that so we can know where we are. But these guys would talk about all this stuff. And then they would say this. I would go, well, what's your relationship with Jesus like? Well, it's just mine, and I don't need to go to church, and I don't need to be part of the body. And it drove me crazy. You cannot do this by yourself, and you're not meant to do it by yourself. And that's what we see here. And then we go, well, if maybe if I get in the right community that thinks the same way I do, that will count. <laughs> so you have, and I'm not, I'm not digging on denominations or anything like that, but we still separate ourselves from the rest of the body. Right? We still don't allow Jesus to be enough. We got to have the right stuff. We got to have the right thinking. We got to have all of this. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a profound, specific theology to certain things, there are. But I'm saying we, we separate ourselves and we allow ourselves to fall into this nominal state because we've lost sight of Jesus because these people don't have the right thing, they're out. Uh, these people don't have the right thing, so I'm going to isolate myself. And we're still at that point of I can do it on my own, but maybe with this little group of people. But we're not part of the unified body of Christ. So then how can... God's voice come out when he's chosen to use us if we are not 
sharing it. Now I say that because what we'll see here in verse 14 is this. When, when, when we are fill, filled with fullness, the complete standard of Christ, then we will no longer be immature like, like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies or clever or lies so clever they sound like the truth. Let me say that again. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, this is maturity. This is what Paul's painting a picture of maturity here. The posture that the church should have. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Jesus, who is the head of his body. He makes the whole body, the whole body. Let me say that again. The whole body, not just portions of it, the, the whole thing fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, or call. It helps the other parts grow. That's key. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, if every time we have an issue with other parts of the body and we say, well, you can be over there and I can be over here, how are we helping each other grow? See, last week we were talking about individually how, how we can walk in the name only, but as a body, we can walk in name only. There are a lot of pastors that I meet with that I don't necessarily agree with how they do ministry, but that's not my place right now. My place is to be used in such a way that the truth of God can manifest itself. I don't isolate myself because I don't like it or I don't agree with it. I have to stay in there because that's where Jesus is. His intent is made clear. I want my bride to be mature, meaning where I am together, working together, growing together, encouraging one another, speaking the truth in love. Now let's talk about that for a second because that doesn't mean wussy talk, but it doesn't mean condemning talk. Because we've said this before, Jesus is the master at sitting in the tension of two extremes. So it would be tempting, right, to, you know, this is out of love, you're an idiot. (laughs) It's just got to be said. (laughs) But I love you. Well, man, I received that. I'm ready to change right now. (laughs) Um, Maybe maybe you shouldn't have done that, but I don't know. That's up to you. Yeah, Oh, I mean, that was, I received that, right? But Jesus has a way to do something that's not on your radar. And the only way it becomes on your radar is when you're with him. And I'll say it again. When he was with the woman caught in adultery, no one saw what he did coming. Nobody. For all intents and purposes, he did something against the Jewish law, but he used it in a way that, those guys, those Pharisees and stuff, I mean, they were just, whoop, that's why they left. Because Jesus dropped the mic on them. He dropped some knowledge. Those of you who have never sinned, you know, cast the first stone. Woo, they're out. Now, what do you do about the woman? He says, who's around to condemn you? She goes, no one, sir. And then what does he say? 
neither I condemn you. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, now go and what? Sin no more. Did he condemn her? Did he condone her actions? No. Boom. How do we as the church fall into that? How do we as a body proclaim the name of Jesus that way? Wouldn't you love to be there? To be able to look at the world around us with all its issues, with all the things going on, and be able to discern because of the fullness of the Holy Spirit within us the direct course. That will make these two arguments obsolete because God brings in a whole other scenario that breathes life. We cannot do that. We can't do that if we're in name only. We cannot do that if we continue to fall in the pattern of nominal church functioning. When we look at church as something to provide me with something, give me this, I need this, I want that, and we've all been there. I'm going to leave this place because of this reason, and I'm going to leave, and, then, and God may have called you out, that's fine, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But when our posture becomes of such as what the church can give me rather than the body of Christ because I've given myself to him and now he aligns the body as he wills. So everything I do, I'm here because of him and what he wants to do in us and through us so that there can be unity within the body of Christ and that love can pour out. I still fight the embedded understanding that when I come to church, I'm going to leave getting something. And that's what I mean when I, corporately, that's, that's a nominal state. And what a beautiful, brilliant plan by the enemy if you want to get us out of position. Right? Make us think we're doing the right thing because we're adhering to some principles but nothing is thriving relationally. And we'll just go about our business, keep convincing ourselves that it's right. Now, I'm not saying there's not moments of breakthrough. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about our posturing, our everyday posturing. I don't, I don't want to replace this wonderful, messy relationship. When I say messy, I mean good. You know that, right? So I was trying to figure stuff out. I don't want to replace that for just the principles of relationship. Because it's not enough. You look around and you see marriages that way. They're obedient to the principles of it, but there's no life happening. You see that in families. There's going through the motion, but there's no life happening. No one should look at the church and not see life happening if Jesus is life. Nobody. I wouldn't want anyone to walk through those doors and not experience the presence of God within his people. Not just a sermon, his people. You know what I love hearing, what I love about Connect and the Bridge is when I, we ask a question, we go, what's kept you here? What are the things that, that, that really have motivated you to continue to go? You know what they say? Is they felt welcomed, loved, and encouraged. And it feels safe. That's the work of God. Did you build a house? Did you build? No. Not in that sense. But the Lord's building a house of prayer and safety and joy and worship here so that we can go and do likewise. 
And if that's what we're known for, man, glory, hallelujah. If we don't have the best programs or the best this, I don't care as long as when we leave this place, people are infected by the love of God. That means we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. I asked the Lord, I said, I, when, I was, when I was gone on vacation, this was the one question I asked, what's next? What do you have next? I'm not a guy with a 12-year plan. <laughs> I'm not. These guys will tell you. What are we going to do today? I don't know. But I said, what's next? And I heard the Lord say this, it's time to gently press. It's time to gently press. I said, well, what does that mean? It's time to gently press. Okay, but what does that mean? It's time to gently press. Oh, whatever. So this is us pressing. We can't be satisfied with this. We can't. We all have a call that God has called us to be worthy of in the sense of proximity. Not just do all this so you can be worthy of it. Step into it. And if you don't know how, look at, there are people that do, so engage them. Let's walk together. Let's figure this out. Let's discern together. That's the reason why in this passage we're told some are to be this, that, and that, to help equip us, to help guide us. But it's all partnering. So we're going to continue to press. That's why we're going through Philippians, not so that we have another series to do. And these guys will tell you, I hate talking that way. What series are we going to do next? So that we can adhere to the, whatever, church expectation. Not this one, but just overall. You got to have this series that's provocative or this or that. No. What does God want to say to us? And we're going to go. And he's going to press on you. He's going to stretch you. He's going to call you to say yes to things you've been afraid to. But I want to encourage you. If he calls you to volunteer in nursery or volunteer outside of these walls and you know it's him, say yes. And then guess what? On Sundays, we're going to celebrate. We're going to scream to the rooftops because Jesus is alive and he's Lord of our lives. And he's Lord of this church. We don't come here so I can just get a buffet and get fed. It's not enough. We got too many obese Christians. I just want to get fed. I'm not getting fed. But if you're not exercising it, what's the point? If you're not allowing love to flow in you and through you, what's the point? I mean, phew. so we have to change our posture. We got we to change it. And that doesn't happen if we're not with them. Doesn't happen if we just say, yeah, that's enough. I think that's enough. Not going to happen. It's not about, I've done enough. It's all about going to be with them because that's your eternity. I don't want to wait to heaven to experience the sweetness of his presence. He's offering that now. And we get to be with them now and forever. That, and I'm trying to use this in, in this most appropriate way, is awesome. Awe-inspiring. So, we're going to continue to press. Amen? Okay? Tell somebody. 
Ask the Lord who he wants you to minister to. Ask him who he wants you to introduce yourself to. Ask him, ask him, ask him. Because there's always someone that he's going to put on your heart that he wants you to engage so life can happen. And not just in these walls, outside of these walls. And this is where we gather encouragement. to Step into those places. So let me bless you this morning as we go into offering, as we go into more worship. I don't know if I went too long here, but whatever. Remember, posturing is so important. So just picture yourself ready to receive what God has. God, I thank you that this is not, nor does it have to be, rocket science. I thank you that there is a simplicity of the highest quality in your name. I bless this church, your your body, in Jesus' name, with the ability to be still and know and move from that place when you call. I bless this, this body in Jesus' name with the ability to say yes to you. I ask that you would continue, as you always are, to be patient as we work through this embedded stuff that we have created or have been told that the church needs to be. This is what it's like. But it's not life-giving. So I pray in Jesus' name you'd be gentle with us and patient with us as you unravel those things so that we can see the truth, so that we can see where you are and stay there to be with you That when people see the church, they see you. They don't see evil deeds done in the name of Jesus. They don't see hypocrisy. They see the sweet fragrance. They experience the gentle touch on their lives and their hearts. Gentle but powerful. That transforms them with ever-increasing glory. pray that you continue to raise people up that are after your heart. I want to be where you are as you are doing here in this place. I pray against busy and hurry sickness in Jesus' name. Would you position us to somehow allow you to be Lord over our schedule? of our pace and of our priorities and that we would never settle for less than you not just what you have less than you we ask that you would bless this time of offering as we give and we give from a place of belief and gratitude love joy it's all we have all we are is yours So we say use our resources and use who we are for your kingdom, for your glory, for your purposes. And may we worship together as your church in celebration of what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do in spirit and in truth. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Try 